0: welcome to blog talk radio in high fidelity
1: good morning this is attorney vincent davis and this is get your kids back now this show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of cps and dcfs social workers a secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Uh, Elections are coming up here in the state of California. Um, There are a number of judicial uh, candidates who will be running. I urge everyone to register and vote. A lot of people complain about uh, certain judges in uh, this county and in other counties throughout the state and probably in your state as well. The best way is to make sure that you register and that you vote. In most places, well, in all places in California, state judges are subject to election and or re-election. whether they're appointed by the governor or elected by popular vote so every i think it's every six years judges have to run for re-election and uh new judges are running as well for uh judicial seats it would behoove you um as a citizen to investigate these uh people who are running Uh, decide whether you want to keep them in their seat, peer court judge, or if they need to be uh, voted out and change needs to be made. So I urge everyone to vote. Uh, I want to share with the listeners um, a story that happened. um, Let's see, just a few weeks ago, I was in a trial uh, in another county doing uh, cross-examining a social worker and it it reminds me of a case that I watched um, where an attorney was suing uh, DCFS and a number of social workers for something that happened several years ago and in that case several years ago apparently DCFS Inform the judge, the social worker, informed the judge that the mother had um, a psychological condition called Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Now, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but from my understanding, Munchausen syndrome by proxy is where a person, usually a woman in the medical field, um, Decides that the child has some type of medical condition, and either treats and/or takes the child constantly to the doctor for this medical condition, when in fact the medical condition doesn't exist. And apparently, um, what had happened in this case where the social worker opined that the child had Munch, I mean that the mother had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Uh, The social worker wrote this apparently in her reports and also testified to it um, uh, in court on the witness stand. Now, one of the things that occurred to me um, when this attorney uh, was asking the social worker questions, uh, he asked questions such as, you know, do you have any license in California? You know, are you a psychiatrist, a psychologist or, you know, any type of medical license that would give you the expertise, the education and the experience to opine that someone has a certain type of psychological disease or disorder? And of course, the answer eventually was no, I'm, I, I don't have that type of education or experience. And um, I. I sat there and wondered. I wonder why she testified in court, in juvenile court, that she had, that the mother had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see the trial. I haven't read the transcripts. But I can only assume that that testimony was given and that perhaps the mother's attorney did not object to it on the basis of there's no foundation or it's speculation for the social worker to make such a diagnosis. So flash forward to um, the case a few weeks ago. For me, I'm in another county, and the social workers understand, and I'm cross-examining her. And she tells me that um, it's obvious to her that the child and the parents need counseling, individual counseling. And I said, to address what? And I forget what the social worker then said, but I said, well, you know, do you have any type of license other than a driver's license in the state of California? And I think she said something like, I don't know what you mean. And I said, well, are you a licensed psychologist? No. Are you a licensed psychiatrist? No. Are uh, you know, you're a medical doctor? No. Well, how can you determine that someone needs counseling? As the questioning went on and we're not finished, the case got continued. um, It's coming out that I think the policies and procedures manual for social workers on juvenile or on CPS cases in California says that you can send people to be assessed to whether they need counseling or they don't need counseling to address any certain issue. But a social worker, and probably no one in the courtroom has the ability to say, you need counseling. And after the trial broke for that day, um, my co-counsel who represents one of the other parents and who I've known for many years uh, comes up to me and he says, you know, that was a good point that you were trying to make. Social workers don't have the ability to say someone needs counseling. That's like me saying, hey, you need open-heart surgery. I don't know any – I'm not a medical doctor. I've not run any tests. How do I know you need open-heart surgery? I don't have the qualifications, the education, nor the experience to say you need open-heart surgery. And the same is true for social workers in many, many different areas. Social workers get on the stand or write in reports all the time, hey, you need blah, blah, blah. You need drug counseling. You need – Uh, individual counseling you need a mental health evaluation they're not qualified to say that in the law they don't have the education or the experience so when you are doing these cases with your attorneys talk to your attorneys about that I will bet that most of them won't even have thought of that because the culture within CPS courts is we allow social workers to say anything and we believe they can say anything. Um, that's just not true. I'm going to take our first call from area code uh, 901 ending in, I mean, area code 951 ending in 64. Good morning, Mrs. Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
2: Story to tell. Go ahead. um yes about a year ago um there was allegations made um in our home at the school cps came out to the house um sat out in front for hours i mean literally from like seven in the evening till about midnight they finally came in with um some officers and um Pull the children over to the room. They didn't show no type of warrant, nothing. They pulled the children to the bedroom, started questioning the kids, um, about the allegations that were made. They ended up, um, asking me if I could get dressed and meet them at the police station, which I did. Um, I went to the police station, sat around for several hours before they even took me back to the interrogation room and they began to ask me about the allegations that were made. And um, I told them, you know, I don't even know what the heck you're talking about. You come into my home, you're saying this, you're saying that. Um, I was kept there till roughly about five o'clock in the morning, the detective, when he came back, he stepped out of the room once he questioned me. When he came back, he told me, I'm not gonna arrest you I'm not going to fingerprint you. I'm not going to do anything. You can go, you know, uh, I mean, just go ahead and go home. But he asked me to do him the favor to wait till the social worker left with my daughter. Uh, By the time I got home, they had already packed my other daughter up. Uh, She was hysterically crying, you know, dad, you know, dad, I mean, what can you do? I mean, they took her, you know, they took the girls, they left the boys. Um, it all happened real quickly. I mean, within that was a Friday by Wednesday, they had already drug us into court. They had already made their allegations. Um, you know, just total craziness. And we show up to court and I have these papers that come in you know, telling me that, uh, because of all these allegations, they notified the Department of Justice. They they told everybody, basically. So they basically thrashed me and my wife. Uh, we went on to several court dates, several months uh, before my daughter actually finally came forward and she admitted that she made the whole story up. Um, they still dragged us through court in the process. They were coming in the home, telling us that we were going to have to go to counseling, take classes and I told them, you know, there's no need for us to take any classes. Um and I wasn't gonna take any of the classes. They were very aggravated that the detectives weren't getting a hold of me, that, you know, uh it wasn't going their way. My daughter kept going. Um uh, they put her from group home to group home to group home, every group home they put her in, uh, she would AWOL. They would not watch her, they, you know, it's just, it's not like their problem. It's just like it was, a, you know, my daughter would make statements to me and my wife when she would call us. It's like, this is only about money, you know. They're moving me back and forth, they're keeping me. In the meantime, the younger daughter, uh, we were able to get her back within, um Roughly about two months, we got the younger one back. Uh, she was placed back in the home with us. The older one they kept. Eventually, what ended up happening, uh, they got a hold of her in Lancaster. She was ab- abducted, drugged, raped, sodomized, and they stabbed her with a knife, put a knife in her. Um, she was dumped in an alley and left for dead. Two days later, they found her. Um, they come to the house, break our hearts and tell us, well, you know, as we speak, your daughter's in the hospital, we're like, wow, how in the world did this even happen? She's in your care. So, I mean, we go, we're still going to court. They haven't finalized nothing yet. Um, She's under their care. They have her up North in Fresno in one of the group homes and Uh, Same scenario, she's AWOLing, you know, she she doesn't want to be there, I mean, they're telling her whatever they want to say, that we don't love her, I mean, they put all this stuff in her head that she has rights, I mean, we have to hear this constantly when she calls and she's breaking down, doesn't want to be there, so eventually what happens, roughly about three weeks ago, they came, they brought her from the group home to her front yard, And they dumped her off. It's like, we're not dealing with her, we're done. And you know the social worker calls us and she tells us that they're bringing her, they don't want her there and they're dumping her, just like that. I mean, they put us through all this. And then just like that, they come and dump her off at our front door. We haven't even gone to the final court, which isn't until next month. And they're asking us if we could please take her and help them out. Well, the social worker finally came out after about three weeks. And she spoke with us, and she asked us if we could please take her back, you know, and help out, because none of this has done any type of good for her. So basically, that's, that's where we're at right now. I mean, it, it's a there was a lot that was said to the kids, like, you know, those aren't your real parents. And, you know, it was just a, hor- a horrible thing to go through for anybody. All the kids are tossed up. There's four siblings and everybody's just everywhere. And I mean, we're left having to pick up the pieces. I mean, where do you go? You know, what is it that you do? I mean, everybody's going to need counseling. You know, we took her back for her own safety because it was obvious they weren't doing a very good job. And um, basically, you know. um, Yes, let me get this
1: straight. So the social workers took the child from you, yes. placed the child in a group home where she was abused, and now they've just dumped the child back to your home?
2: Yeah, roughly, basically, that's that's it. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, she was in their care. It was a court order that she be placed in these homes, and... You know, now they're just there. We haven't even gone to court. And then they came and dumped her off already, signed off, and the group home and just here you go. And the social worker's calling us. It's like the other social worker dumped her off on my caseload, and I'm not even going to be here. Can you please? She begged us, can you please take her in, you know, for at least a week or two until I can figure out what's going on here? And basically, she came uh, a couple days ago and You know, she asked us, uh, can you you please, because the group homes aren't going to do anything for her. I'm not like the other social workers. I mean, I care about these kids. And that's pretty obvious. I mean, she made a lot of sense. The other ones don't make any sense. And we're, we're just like, we're tossed. I mean, this is like, wow. How does this even happen? You know, how does this, how many people have even gone through this? You know, um, I, I... Does guess, the, ju- does the you know, judge... I, yes?
1: Does the judge know what happened to your daughter?
2: No. No, they don't know. That's like swept under the carpet. Uh, it's like a nobody needs to know, you know, and I'm, I'm like, wow, are you serious? You know, and under your care, all this happens to her, and uh, we're stuck with this? I mean she definitely needs need the help now i mean i'm just like i'm blown away i just i don't get it i don't understand this my wife is as always in tears i mean as the support basically any, they uh um,
1: services for the child like counseling
2: they say well they say it but only in word. I mean they say they were gonna get her help, they were gonna put her in counseling, but nothing nothing has ever happened. Nothing. You know, we're we're almost yeah, a year down the, the road It's it's been how long it since this the child. It's been roughly about a year. It's it's about a year that she's been out at home. We're already coming up on the year mark and you know we've had to call the office i've had to personally call the officers with stuff going on and uh the very first place they put them was in a in a a foster home and i mean my younger daughter called hysterically crying and you know and she didn't want to be there and she somehow got a hold of somebody's cell phone in in that foster home and she called her mom and she was crying we could hear the whole conversation going on in the background where the woman was cussing at my daughter and I had to call the authorities. And and I told them, look, this is a situation. I know that they called them on me and they were taken out because of all these allegations, but you need to go check on my daughters. So eventually what they did is, is they took it seriously. They went and they took them out of that foster home they were in and they were placed in, um, One went went to a group home, the older one that made the accusations. The younger one went to a foster home, which those aren't any better because even then, I mean, she was being told by the workers then that were in charge of that, you know, that organization that put her out there with a couple and, you know, they were telling her, you know, uh, that's not your mom and dad around here. You're going to work to get stuff. And I mean, and, you know, I got to hear my daughter telling me, dad, please, please don't, don't tell me that I was adopted. We've never talked about it. I, I got her at four days old. We raised her, we adopted her. That's our baby. I mean, how are you going to just jump right in there and start giving them the facts of life? Are you serious? You know, I don't know who gave them the right to do that. I mean, but she's, She's a wreck, my baby is a wreck. I mean, she's like, you know, she's tossed. She doesn't know, she has this fear that they're gonna just come in and just take her out and take her away from us. I mean, how do do I get rid of that? I don't. Every time I go by uh, a certain building where they took her, the county building, she freaks out. She doesn't wanna be there, she wants to just leave this part. if she sees the social worker the cars she wants to just leave i mean she just you know it, it's a mess it's a mess you know the older one that went through everything the one that was abducted and went through all that she tells my wife they should have killed me they should have just killed me instead of dumping me and all she's reliving everything the you know she's really she's seeing faces and hearing the things that were told to her and I mean you don't give that back you don't give that back and this is all in the best interest of what we were told this is in the best interest of the children really i mean how many kids go through this how many how many parents are out there that go through this that don't fight back? because we we took it plain and simple it's like oh no you're not going to come into our home and do this I mean you stepped in you saw the home was peaceful it's a normal home there's no drugs there's nothing going on there it's just a normal home and I believe that the the officers they saw that you know what I mean when they first came in there ain't nothing going on here I mean because they they were very I don't know how to say it they were very very aggravated that they didn't arrest me that you know I didn't just get thrown in there but I mean they know their job what am I going to do you know, they know their job. They do that. That's what they specialize in. They know when somebody's lying. They, You know, and that woman, she was very, very mad um, when she came in, the one that decided to take them out of the home. I mean, and it just got passed from worker to worker to worker to work. I mean, there's so many workers, that it just, they passed it off. Well, we'll give it to this one and this one. And then the supervisor coming in and, and I told him, look, I got documentation. I've got psychiatric evaluations and going back to when the kids were little, you know, there was issues that went on and we put all that away. We put it all away and I pulled it out later. I had called one of the workers that dealt with us when we first got the children and they told me, you have everything you need, pull it out. It's time to pull it out now. So, you know, I pulled it out. I never really took the time to go through the files and read them, but I did. And, you know, um, I gave them copies only because they were just blown away. How did you even get these? And those were given to us when we adopted the kids with all the issues. They were meth babies. There was counseling that we had to go through. We went through the best counseling that you could go through. And we went for like three years. We didn't just go to a class and stop. I mean, we were all in these classes to learn how to deal with children that were meth babies. You know, and they're they're not just kids we don't know. They're family members. You know, they're they're second cousins to my wife. I mean, really, we stepped in, and they wanted to separate them, and we made our mind that, no, you're not going to do that to these kids. We're going to give them a chance. And we took them in, and we've always done that. You know, we've always taken in, like, all the relatives' kids and helped them till they could get on their feet. That's just who we are. And for them to come against us like that... It was totally crazy. I mean, the first court date that I showed up, the educator that they have, their principal, he's also a pastor. He showed up to go to court with me. My doctor, the family doctor that has watched the kids grow up, he showed up to court with me. He says, no, we're going to do this. Then they came out with, oh, there's no need for all this. You don't got to do this. No, you came at me like that. I'm ready. I'm ready. If this is what you want to do, I'm ready. And, um. Oh, uh, they kind of, they kind of backed up a little bit. I mean, they kept on, they kept on with accusations. You need to get a hold of the authorities. It's, you need to take a lie detector test, and you need to this, and you need to that. You know, I mean, total craziness, total craziness, and they were very upset because the cops, like there's nothing there. What do you want us to do? So I mean, you know, I'm going to court and I'm looking at them, and the judge is just shaking her head, like, "Wow, are you serious?" And, you know, they're very aggravated with the judges. You already made up your mind. And this is all the CPS people. They're all up there at the front counter, just looking and talking and, you know, kind of trying to dictate what was going to go on. And we were like, nope. Mm-mm. you know, we didn't do nothing wrong. We're not going to any kind of anger management. I'm not going to any classes. I went for three years. If you want to learn to deal with these kids, these kind of kids, then you go to these classes and you learn you learn what it's like because we already have. Yeah, my wife told them, take them home with you and you'll see what it's like, you know. But, I mean, it's it's always been there. Everything has always been documented. We've always known that maybe one day something, you know, because you never know. I mean, you hear so many stories. You hear so many stories and it's just, it's wild. But in in the end of this, uh, you know, at the end of all this, Our peace was because we go to church and we serve God. So there's our peace right there. I mean, people look at us like, how didn't you guys fall apart? Well, easy. I mean, even though our hearts are broken, at least we had somewhere to turn. You know, that's just, that's our life. I mean, that's all we know. (laughs) Plain and simple. And
1: now we're stuck. We're
2: stuck with this. I want to
1: thank you for calling in and sharing with us, sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I know the the listeners appreciate it.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your time.
1: That was a very moving story um, about how things go wrong in our CPS, our DCFS, our juvenile dependency system. Um, Before I go on to the next call, I wanted to mention something. Got a couple calls about this this week, people wanting to sue uh, CPS in their counties uh, and their states. In California, before you can sue a governmental agent like a CPS social worker or the county, the government itself, if you are going to assert Claims, legal claims under state law, you have to file what's called a government tort claim. And I believe uh, an explanation of that procedure can be found in the California Government Code, starting, I believe, at Section 900. If you are going to file federal claims against um, uh, social workers in the counties and the states, um, at least in California, under California law you do not have to file a governmental tort claim under government code so you know I see a lot of um, complaints filed by lawyers and people against social workers and they either allege federal claims or they allege state claims or they allege both federal and state claims but generally not all the time but generally um, you can't win money on the federal and the state claim at the time of trial, you have to pick your poison so to speak. Um, Generally, I um, file federal claims against social workers and I don't file uh, state claims. Um, But in a few cases, we have filed uh, state claims against social workers as well as federal claims uh, there's a lot of strategy involved with respect to where you should file, you know, federal court or state court, what type of claim you should file, state or federal or both. Um, so, uh, and just to give you an example, in state court, if you sue someone, you have to prove, you have to persuade nine of the 12 jurors. Um, in federal court, you have to uh, convince all 12. So, you know, and the state court has its own rules of evidence, the California rules of evidence. Uh, the federal court has the federal rules of uh, evidence. Federal rules of civil procedure are different, similar but different to the California Code of Civil Procedure. And those rules of procedure are by which a case proceeds, you know, at the beginning through discovery, through motion practice, through the you know time of trial, through post-trial and appeal. So it's something that you should, and your lawyer, should discuss before you just go off suing a social worker. A lot of strategy, a lot of things to consider before the lawsuit. I'm going to try to take the next call. It's area code 323, ending in 32. I think I might have lost that call. If I did, from a technical technical point, please call back. Uh, let's see, may having, maybe having some technical difficulties. Let's see if I can take a call from area code 805. Hello, you're on with Vince Davis. I think I'm having some technical difficulties right now. So... I will continue talking about the lawsuits for a minute until the technical difficulties are um, fixed. You know, a lot of people um, want to sue the social workers. And I want to remind people that social workers have what's called immunity. Uh, It's a qualified immunity, it's not an absolute immunity. Um, So, you can't get around that immunity unless you prove that, you know, the social worker has done something by way of fraud or malice. Um, So generally, you can sue a social worker if they take your children out of your home without a warrant or a court order, Uh, and that's called a Fourth Amendment claim uh um, referring to the Fourth Amendment of the, of the uh, United States Constitution. So for example, let's say, can you, hold on, let's say you, um, child, social worker comes up to your home, decides to take the child, uh, you may have a Fourth Amendment claim. I say may because uh, they are allowed to take the children from you if they believe it's an, uh, if there is an exigent circumstance, forget about what they believe, if if there is an exigent uh, circumstance, and that means if there is um, some type of emergency. Generally, it means the social worker has or witnessed some type of um, abuse. The next type of case that I generally come across is where a child, well, no, where the social worker has um, not told the truth either in a report or on the witness stand. And in those types of cases, and and I get those kinds of cases referred to me quite a bit. And in those types of cases, um, we have the social worker telling something that is not true. And they can be sued for that as long as you can prove that those malice or fraud. And recently, well, I'd say within the last year, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has uh, informed us that Such is the case, you can sue a social worker for lying. Somehow Orange County thought that uh, the social workers couldn't be sued. I don't know how they thought that. The third type of case is um, where the child is injured in the uh, foster home. Uh, Unbeknownst to the public, children are injured frequently, I would say every day probably, uh, in foster care. And that's the the next type of case we generally handle. I think the technical difficulties have been straightened out. I'm gonna try to take the next call from area code 805, ending in 96. Good morning, you're with attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. OK, I think we're still having technical difficulties. I'll try another call. Area code 323, ending in
3: 3-2. Hello? Meeting.
1: On with attorney. Goodness. Hi, you're on with attorney Davis. Do did you, did you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
3: Actually, pretty much both. Go for it. Um. I'm a parent of a son that got taken away from me. Um, I thought I was doing the right thing as a parent and I found out my son was being touched by a family member on my husband's side. Um, I called the police, made a report, took him to the doctor, make sure everything was all right down there. Um, I get a, talk to somebody at the hospital. They said they might get in contact with me. They might not. Um, I'm at a brother's house where I was staying at the time. Get a knock on the door. Well, I got these allegations. Well, my son was being touched. Yeah, I call, of course, I called myself. A couple of days later, they say, well, I need to take him to a hub clinic. Well, where the place I was staying, the person didn't want us there anymore because of social services. They didn't want it in the house. They didn't want it in their life. Okay? That's fair enough. We ended up having to call my brother up. I had no money. I ended up having to call my brother up. Wired me some money. We ended up having to go somewhere else. Took him to the clinic that was out here. Did all that that they wanted us to do. Nothing Didn't get no contact with them. Kept in contact. I called them nothing. Come October 9th to take my son to school of last year and go to pick him up. He's not there. Okay, I'm freaking out. Wondering where he was at. I go to the principal's office. Oh, he was taken by CPS, by DCFS. Don't know what to do. I'm calling. Got to finally call him. Talk to him at ten o'clock at night. He's crying. He don't know what's going on. I told him I don't know what's going on either. We get a worker, the first worker, tells us this is what happened. This is why we took him. I'm like okay, but the allegations are against somebody else, not against us. Court dates come, still no child in our custody, and we're sitting here fighting for something that we don't. I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what to do at all. We've been through all these court dates. What was that? I'm sorry. have had Hello? Yes, we had been having court dates. We did everything that they wanted to do, drug counseling, everything, and we're not even that's what we don't understand why are we taking drug classes when we're not even those? not even the allegations that are supposedly towards us
1: sex sex, class.
3: sex abuse classes my husband has to take and it's not even against him I have a
1: disability
3: i still understand
1: wait a minute you don't have your children back
3: no and it's been since october ninth.
1: It is now really
3: the case. And my my son's been transferred from one group home to the next, to the next, to the next, from one worker to the next, to the next, to the next, in Lancaster. And I'm all the way out in Los Angeles. They took him all the way to Hesperia out of L.A. County, where they weren't even supposed to take him. And he got touched there, and they had an emergency take him out out of there into Inglewood, where he's closer to us. But still, the case is out there. The court case
1: um, do you have an attorney?
3: um Aaron Jespin that's the only one just the- a ass- court assigned attorney
1: um, This seems to be very unusual what you're telling me. um Do you have your minute orders and your social worker reports
3: yes not all of them but i do have three of them i was supposed to get one ever since october and i only got three of them i I get get, keep get every um through the first worker i didn't get them through the core i got them through the worker the second and the first and second worker i've been through six workers already
1: and none of them said to the help us, right?
3: They keep telling me, oh, I'm going to get my son back on this date, and nothing.
1: And they propose it more. They keep
3: propo- postponing, keep, keep doing it.
1: When is your next question? Uh, on uh,
3: May, April, May 6th.
1: Do you know what time it's going to be?
3: Um, this one's supposed to, again, it's supposed to be having him back in our custody. that's what all the other court dates are supposed to be was getting him back in custody all the charges have been dropped except for one which is the marijuana one and that's it all the other charges have been dropped
1: do you have a pen and a piece of paper yes i do i want you to write down this telephone number and then okay. I want you to call it today after. I want you to call it today after nine thirty. Okay. And make an appointment to personally make an appointment to personally speak to me in person or on the phone, and I want to go over your case with you because it doesn't sound doesn't sound right. You I want I want to take okay. some time to give you some uh, personal advice. So the number is triple eight triple eight. 888-888-6582. Eight, eight, eight,
3: eight, 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 I've got it, Mr. Davis.
1: Thank you very much. I look forward to speaking with you. Thank you. Well, and, uh, the... All right, we're going to take another call um, from a number which is blocked, so we'll try. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
0: I'm not. Hello? Good
1: hello? Good Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
0: Yes. Uh, good morning, Mr. Davis. Um, I'm listening to, I just listened to all three stories and they're all very, very familiar. Um, I wanted to uh, to talk about how is it that these people can just come out and make just random accusations and not have any kind of reservation about doing it? because you know, for, for those of us, you know, that had the attitude, I didn't do anything wrong, so I shouldn't worry about anything. That's that's no longer a reality, because I think you know a little bit about our case, and uh, it went as far as far as they, they'll take it. And this is based on things that were completely fabricated. I mean, the social workers that came out didn't even know they were, that we had another child, that our child was in school. Couldn't go and get her. In school and the school won't release that her daughter, but then that you know the they called up and said false things, and that's how she was released. So, I mean, everything was done so illegally and so wrong. We didn't know at the time. We kind of had an inkling, but then when you go back and you read the the you were talking earlier about the state the state statutes versus the, um, uh, the, the federal ones. And there's not a huge difference. But, I mean, how, how is it that they can do these things and not have any... T- I mean, and the only way is to go to court and have this very long, drawn-out, and relive the entire nightmare all over again. How is it that they take this stuff to court? And in our case, we had a commissioner... And she had no proof of anything, but yet still kept going with it and you know um something us to every single class you know the individual family counseling uh anger management I'd even try to do the drug drug thing um and you know i I just wonder how i mean anyone who doesn't like you. Can call and make a false, uh, make false accusations, and they come out and they make it a case.
1: Yeah, that's the way um, the law is set up right now, because there's such a fear—or um, not fear, but uh, emphasis given to protecting children. So it seems sometimes that they're willing to trample on the rights of citizens. If there's a problem, you know, or if there's an issue regarding protecting a child, what I see though is happening uh, all over the country is that um, that's being abused uh, by those in the system, um, and I have a feeling, so it's on my own personal opinion, that a lot of this has to do with money, money the counties and the states receive from the federal government. Uh, when the social worker goes out to do, quote, God's work and protect children. Um, you know, so I think a lot of things are being hid behind the fact where well, we are protecting children, and the real truth is we are making money for our governmental entity. So I
0: think and that makes perfect sense. Time. That makes perfect sense, because all three of the callers are just called... Talked about the city of Lancaster. Uh, we, I, I thought that first of all, when they removed these children, there's long, long when I went through the long, long list, none of that was done, obviously. But our kids were separated in two different counties, and one of them ended up in 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 Lancaster, and I'm thinking it's got to be the same people involved. I mean, it's it's. How can it be such a coincidence?
1: You know, I, I don't know. Um it's one of the things that uh crosses my mind daily. You know, I keep hearing the same stories over and over from people from different counties, people you know, in LA from people from different offices involved with different DCFS offices from people from different counties. I hear the same stories from people from different states. And wow. um, it's something that I think our society is going to have to address. You know, the the solution I propose is that people go out and vote, they vote for their state legislators, they vote for their state senators, they're, they're, they vote for judges, they vote for um, congressmen, you know, your, your federal, mm-hmm. uh, Representatives, senators, and congressmen, and and put pressure on these people that you vote in to change the law. You know there could be very, very few um, change, very few changes in the law that could improve the system a thousand percent. Um, for example, um, how about this? How about a CPS worker, whenever they do an interview, they're required to video or audio tape it. Everybody's got a smartphone now. There's nothing, you know, that's not a cost. That's not a real cost. That's pennies, less than pennies probably to do that. Here's another one. How about if we have a law that as a parent, if your children are taken away, you have the right to a jury trial. To be judged by your peers. Not by, you know, a judicial officer um, who's making decisions, you know, based upon... Uh, what they believe in their personal experiences and their thoughts about the law. You know, one of the biggest juvenile dependency courts in the country is Los Angeles County. And, you know, all of the judges in there are doing what they believe to be best. The problem is, is that they all have different experiences and beliefs. Some of them interpret certain laws in juvenile dependency differently. Some of them conduct their courtrooms differently. And it all affects the rights of parents and what happens to children. You know, why don't you put these people who are accused of child abuse or risk of child abuse in front of their own peers to decide whether, yeah, they committed child abuse or yeah, they're a danger to committing child abuse. Right now it's left up just to a bureaucracy. And, um, you know, having been part of that system, I mean, I represent people now on a private basis. For many years, many years ago, um, I was a court-appointed attorney, and, you know, I'll have to be honest. Things do get um, a little bit jaded, um, and, you know, it's it's not the perfect system. I mean, things should be changed um, or improvements should be made. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I'm not saying that in some cases there isn't child abuse. Obviously, there are cases. I've been involved. I've seen cases. Yes, there was child abuse, okay? But I've seen many, many cases where there's not child abuse. Or I've seen many, many cases where, you know, there's smoke, social workers looking for a fire, and social worker may um, exaggerate something about the case, may tell something that's totally not true. Um, I ran into an old client a few weeks ago, and um, I remember her case. In the social worker's original detention report, the social worker claimed that she talked to the child's therapist, and the child's therapist told the social worker, the mother is a danger to the child. Preparing for the trial, I call up the... I call up the therapist and I said, hey, you know, when did you have that conversation with the social worker when you said the mother was a danger to the child? The therapist said something like, what are you talking about? I've never talked to any social worker on this case or about these people. And I said, what? She said, I've never talked to a social worker on this case. So I pull out the report and um, I read it to the therapist. Is, that's a, a false statement and what I think happened um, because there was I believe there was yeah there was a subsequent lawsuit but what I believe happened is and, and what's happening in a lot of cases is there's a lot of cut and paste by social workers from one report to the other so if you think about it if it's your job to write reports to the juvenile court you probably have your same, uh, your same. What do you call it? Uh, same arguments or statements that you always use because you see these things over and over and over. And even though it's different families, a lot of these stories are, you know, they're basically the same. So you cut and paste. Um, somebody uh, in my office, a paralegal brought to my attention a couple weeks ago that in one social worker report regarding one family, there were two or three paragraphs that were actually cut and pasted to another report involving another family. And here was the weird thing. They were word for word, um, almost identical. The weird thing was the social workers were completely different, and they were they were from the same office, but they were they were different. And so, what I think is happening is, um, social workers who are probably overwork at least in LA County, overworked and underpaid, they take shortcuts, and these shortcuts are um, affecting people. Uh, I I did a this has been almost two years ago. I did a, a we did a lawsuit for a family against a uh, uh, some social workers in the county of Los Angeles. And at the end of a deposition, a videotape deposition, um, the social worker spends about maybe a half hour answering my questions, admitting that she lied to a judge under oath and that she submitted false evidence. I've got that DVD of that video of that video deposition sitting on my desk. I keep wanting to post it as a la sean mcmillan style you know post these crazy videotaped depositions you know on social media so that other people can see i mean you know people think that social workers being government officials that they're just going to tell the truth they're going to be fair they don't have any biases they don't have any prejudices um you know and uh, it's not true it's just not true so the um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make a promise to myself to post that video, and uh, perhaps just well, to aren't, they, aren't
0: they aren't they aren't they supposed to swear to what they're because I you know you see, uh I in in our in our case you can clearly see where it was cut and pasted and I I emailed about it because you can see the font is different and I've worked in the field, I've seen it happen before, um and you know every time you confront them about something they they come up with a different a different accusation and it keeps going and going and going and going and it seems the more you confront them the the angrier they become they become more retaliatory towards you um and and they're being confronted with their own stuff it's not stuff that is mine you know um but it would be great if you can because when you, when you tell people these things it's so bizarre that you, I have I, I, told, I've said this many times, if you didn't react with disbelief, I would have to think that you're not listening to me. Because I, I don't even know if I would believe that story. In our case with the social worker and the initial remove, uh, removal, she was not even physically present. When I confronted her about it, she said, well, look carefully. I didn't swear or sign my name. And it's true. She didn't sign her oh, name. wow.
1: Wow. You know, um, yesterday, a client, an old client from 2013, stopped by my office. And he, and he, and he wanted to stop by my office. He brought me a gift. He's an old client, and he says, you know, I just wanted to thank you for what you did for me. Um, He had a very kind of a wild case. He goes to an interview with the social workers, and um, this is before any case has started, and uh, he basically tells them they're full of, you know, you know what. Mm -hmm. And they get pissed off. They follow him, almost follow him back home. He gets home, they arrive within 15 minutes, with the police, And but my guy mm-hmm. had the uh, presence to use his smartphone and videotape the entire incident and the entire conversation. Mm-hmm. We go to court like two or three days later and the judge is like, I can't believe this happened. And she releases my guy, releases my guy's child back to him, you know, at the very first hearing. But what had happened is, is that, it's my opinion, that he pissed off the social workers at this meeting. He didn't give them the respect and deference that they believed that they were owed. And um, they retaliated. They took his child. And uh, the judge gave the child right back thank God that happened. And, and, you know, the judge dismissed the case. Eventually, you know, we set it for trial and, you know, they were still, the social workers, DCFS was still fighting. Um, but at the trial, the judge dismissed the case against him. And, uh, it was just, you know, one of the most outrageous, egregious abuses of power I've seen. And that's the problem with, um, you know, one of the problems with our system, um, you have, People with a lot of power and whenever that happens you know power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely okay. you know I want to th- say I want to thank you mm-hmm. for calling I'm running out of time I didn't realize it was so late um, uh, next week we're going to be talking more about uh, social workers about uh, fighting social workers in court about strategy with uh, winning cases in the juvenile dependency court And we're also going to talk a little bit more about how to sue a social worker, emails, a lot of inquiries about that issue. And we'll be talking about that next week as well. Um, I want to remind everyone, please, please, please register to vote. It affects how your cases turn out in court. Register to vote for the legislatures who make legislators who make the laws and the legis- and the Superior Court judges and the appellate judges who rule and interpret those laws you have to make sure that you're voting in the right people to do this job and it's a very important thing a lot of people skip or don't vote at all or a lot of people skip and don't vote for judges on the ballot but they do vote for other people it's important it's a very very important Judges. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the radio.